Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio on a Wednesday morning before we talk about all the trades in baseball. <laughs> I wanted to ask you what you thought about Tiger Woods turning down $800 million. It didn't just happen. He did that back in February or March. Yeah, but the, they, the amount the came out yesterday. It did, but yeah. he doesn't need it. And he is very loyal to the PGA. Uh, you can say what you want about Woods, and he is very wealthy. He can he can make that decision. It's not going to cost him well, cost him eight hundred million dollars, but he has that. He's close to being a billionaire anyway. He felt that this is a renegade tour that doesn't really have a lot of basis to it, is what he said, and I agree with him. There, where's the competition? Everybody's getting paid. What in the world are you doing out there? These are exhibitions. I'm there, and this is Woods, I'm paraphrasing. I'm there to play the match. I'm there to do the best that I can. That's taken away from you by this live tour. I don't want anything to, to do with it. It was about seven, 700 to $800 million is what they offered him. But he can get away with saying that he doesn't want it because he does have a lot of money. Well, it's still a good look on him and a good look on Rory for, for, for sure. But you know who's a bad look on? Tiger Woods and the former president of the United States, Mr. Trump, are very good friends. Mr. Trump is a backer of this live tour for reasons other than what you might think. But yeah. that's beside the tour. He, uh, beside the uh, word anyway. Uh, he's backed it because well, backed it because he hates the PGA. Yeah, well, <laughs> feelings get hurt when you're dealing with that kind of money. But I just thought it was a good look on Tiger. It was all right. So Padres are man. Gave up a lot for Soto, don't you think? They gave up a tremendous amount for Juan Soto, but they also get Josh Bell. That's a hell of a deal. They, they, they took away Washington's power right there. They oh, took yeah. it all away. That's yeah, Bell's the kid who hit the three-run homer against the Cardinals on Saturday to beat them, and he's a good player. Trouble with this, and, and, and it's a shame that the, it is a business, folks, and you do have to understand that, is that in the, of the players that the Padres are giving to Washington, they're all great prospects. But they had to because Bell plays first base, and that's where he's going to be, and do unload a first baseman. So they did. They sent to Washington Eric Hosmer, a former Kansas City Royal. But wait, not so fast. Hosmer has the clause in his contract that he can turn out a trade if he's, if he's not happy with it. And he wasn't happy. He turned it down. Oh, what are we going to do now? Oh, they had to trade another guy, another first baseman, and it happens to be Luke Voigt, the one-time Missouri State Bayer. So he goes from a contending team that may be headed to the World Series to a team that is so bad they may have the worst record in baseball. What a shame that is. That It doesn't seem fair. Now, when the Padres, and it's a matter of when, not if, get into the playoffs and do well, they will vote Voigt a share of of their uh, playoff money. That's that's routine, that's customary, and it's understanding because he's been a part of the team. For over a bunch half of home year, runs yeah. and all that sort of thing. But it just seems a shame that he's taken away now yeah. from, from this. But it is part of the game. So what do you do with Hosmer? <laughs> Said, are you all right with the trade to the Boston Red Sox? Well, yeah, hey, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even get to give him the full yes before they opened the door to let him leave. Uh, Cardinals ended up making a move and getting another pitcher yesterday. Is that right? They did. Jordan Montgomery got him for Harrison Bader, which is a very interesting deal. Kind of sad to see Bader go. Bader, Bader was a Cardinal. Yeah, he man. Is, it's interesting because he's injured. 
He has a foot injury. It's called plantar fasciitis, and it can be very painful and very ongoing. Ask uh, Yadier Molina about that. But they did make a deal uh, very late, and we'll talk about some of the other deals coming up uh, that were very late. And you had until 5 o'clock Central Time to make those deals. Man, they started coming at like 4 o'clock. I was just getting notification after notification after notification. That's because they waited until the last minute to see what deals they could make. The one that really... I, I impacted me was uh, the big kid. They call him Thor. Noah Syndergaard, they got him from the Los Angeles Angels. And Syndergaard at one time when he was with the New York Mets was a huge flamethrower. I mean, blowing away everybody. Well, he had arm injuries and lost his effectiveness. Philadelphia picked him up as a starter and hopefully for them to kind of boost them into the playoffs. Long way to go at the month of August and September and into early October before the wild cards and the contenders are going to be established. It's really interesting the way these deals were made. Yeah, well, it's going to be, uh, we're in the final stretch really before uh, we get into postseason baseball. So these teams definitely need to start winning games. Last but not least, uh, we had the football bears in the uh, Valley preseason poll this year. They are indeed and very highly regarded. It came out the way I, I kind of think everybody thought that it would. North Dakota State, the nine-time national champs and the colossus of the Valley, are the overwhelming choice to win it again this year. They got 39 of the 41 votes that were cast, so they are the preseason number one. South Dakota State is number two of the Jackrabbits, and they are very good. The Bears are number three. This is the highest ranking the Bears have had preseason in almost two decades. That is very, very good. This is a good team. Well, the Bears don't play North Dakota State this year. It's one of the rotation deals where they're not on the schedule. If they play them, it'll be in the playoffs. But they do play South Dakota State, and that is the conference home opener on September 24th, and that will be salty. Those guys are good. Bears are good. That'll be a dynamite game to see. You know who else will be salty? You after your uh, tailgate <laughs> that tailgate morning. <laughs> so Cardinals had the Cubs last night. They get the dub. They did indeed. Six to nothing with Adam Wainwright getting the victory here. You knew that was going to happen. The Cubs are just a shadow of themselves. They're not very good. Cardinals need to beat up on them in these next two games. It'll be coming up tonight and then uh, tomorrow night. That's not to say that the Cardinals are going to lose all three games to the New York Yankees who come in this weekend, but the Yankees are certainly a far different team than the Chicago Cubs. So the Cardinals have to make hay while they can. Cardinals are playing a weaker level of their schedule now. Uh, I think it's 46 of their final 60 games are against teams under 500. You've got to make uh, hay while the sun shines to use that old trite cliche. Anyway, Cardinals <laughs> got to win 6 to nothing. And a, bi- a big night, as always, for Paul Goldschmidt. He had three RBIs on that one. Big, big night for the ball club. Hopefully they can keep that momentum going. Um, next up, let's talk about the Springfield Cardinals. Well, the Royals and the Cardinals. Yeah, the Royals Royals lost the Chicago White Sox 9-2. to White Sox, what an enigma they have been. They have the personnel to be a really big-time team. But they haven't really been able to put it together. They're just barely above 500. But they did beat Kansas City last night, 9-2. to Kansas City has lost Whit Merrifield. They, <laughs> they said, so, okay, Whit, you don't want to get vaccinated and go to Toronto with the Kansas City Royals? Nope, I do not. There were 10 players who sat out. And two of them are gone, Ben Benintendi and now Whitfield. And wh- where did they trade uh, Merrifield, I should say? Whit Merrifield, where did they trade him to? <laughs> You're going to Toronto, buddy. You've got to get vaccinated now if you want to play. 
Anyway, the uh, Royals lose. And the Springfield Cardinals, who had been playing very well, go down to Corpus Christi, and they had Gordon Graceffo, one of their young, outstanding pitchers on the hill. Boy, Springfield backed him with two hits. That was all it was. And Corpus Christi gets a 10-0 win in that ballgame. Big, big deal. Um, but, God, that Royal situation is hilarious. Karma is a wheel, my friend, I guess. <laughs> all right. Uh, one of the sports legends has left us, Ned, another loss after Bill Russell. Just, uh, God, yeah, sucks. How ironic that should be. Russell leaves us, and now it's one of the uh, one of the hallmarks of the broadcasting profession, Vin Scully. Passes away at the age of 94. Vinny had a great life. My goodness sake, 94. And I think the thing that we broadcasters admire so much about him was he did what he wanted to do. That was his boyhood dream. And he parlayed that into one of the great careers in broadcasting. Gosh, I remember him so well. Being a East Coast native and not very far away from New York City, grew up listening to Vin Scully and Red Barber doing the old Brooklyn Dodgers games back in the late 40s and early 1950s. And then when they moved to Los Angeles, he was the voice of the Dodgers. He was more than that, though. Vin Scully was the consummate broadcaster. He did football. He did some basketball. But his game and his team was the the Dodgers, and he really brought them to life into the American lexicon because you identified the Dodgers with Vin Scully and the great boys of summer, as the the book uh, parlayed them to be. Vin Scully leaving us at the age of 94. If you'll indulge me for a split second, uh, I'm going to tell you the story. Now, that probably is embellished a little bit, but I think there's a lot of truth to this one. Scully was this late 1940s. He was either still a student at Fordham University in New York, or he was just out of there. But anyway, he's hanging around the CBS studios in New York, learning the subtleties of the business. Well, it's November, I think of 1947, if I remember correctly, and there's a big football game in Boston. And the football game is Boston University, which played big-time football back then, and Maryland, which was one of the top teams in America, Jim Tatum and the Terrapins. They were coming into Boston to play Boston U. Well, CBS said, well, we'll just do that game. This is way before television, long, long before TV. So CBS was going to do this across the country, Maryland versus Boston U. Now the regular announcer, don't know who it was, was ill. <clears throat> Couldn't do the game. Oh, what are we going to do now? How about this kid Scully? Let's give him, uh, let's give him a shot. He's been wanting to do something on the air. <laughs> so they did. But Vin Scully, to do this national broadcast, well, that's right up his alley. He's ready for this. He's a kid. He's all pumped and ready. The game is being played at Braves Field. Braves Field is on the Boston University campus, and it's right there by the Charles River in New York. This is November. He gets to the game. There's no space in the press box for him. Nobody had reserved any space for CBS. So his engineer goes up onto the roof and create some kind of a little makeshift area where he can walk around on the roof with no protection in November with the wind blowing off the Charles River. No spotter, no nothing. He walked back and forth, this is the way the story goes, back and forth across the roof of Boston University following the game. He did have the numbers, of course, and the players, and called the game. Called it right from there. I think Maryland won, but whatever. <laughs> Got in the next day and said, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good broadcast. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to do all right. Not knowing at all what he had to go through. But that is the epitome of a guy like Vince Scully doing the job that he was born to do. 
And uh, another great piece of advice that you always put yourself in the right place until the right time comes. Bingo. And that's exactly what he did, and he never stopped doing that. Yeah. Ned, you have a great day, and thanks for the story, my man. Sure.